You're listening to episode 76 with Chris Caro, project engineer at AECOM. This episode is brought to you by MasterMeter. Hi, this is Steve Dranchel, sales leader at Brown and Caldwell. This is the podcast inspiring the next generation of water nerds. It's water in real life with my best friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. If there's one thing I can be certain of when it comes to you, it's that you love water. And if you're a water utility looking to manage your water you love, then you'll want to talk to our friends over at MasterMeter. They understand that you can't manage what you don't measure, and smart water management begins with accurate measurement. Account for every drop produced and delivered because the utility's progression towards smart cities and IoT begins here. We're trying to be the game changers of communication, and our partner MasterMeter is here to deliver game-changing results for you across finance, customer service, and utility operations. They offer an array of products to meet your utility's needs. To determine which smart water metering solution is right for you, visit MasterMeter.com. Super excited to share this chat that we have with you today with Chris Caro, who we met at the UMC YP Summit in 2019. He got up uh, during the middle and told a story about how he was this kid in the Dominican Republic who grew up carrying, carrying, fetching his water that he was going to use. And now he's an engineer that designs water and wastewater infrastructure in the U.S. So kind of an amazing story to boot, but he is also just such a super great guy and when we talk about attracting next gen, retaining next gen, when we talk about building our dream teams and and taking our organizations into the next the next level, taking them to the next level. We really can't do that if we're not taking the time to really understand the different people that we're working with and right now I believe there's five different generations working together in the workforce. And so it's just really important for us to take the time and get to know one another on that level. So I think this is just a great opportunity to hear from a YP's perspective, sort of how they see the day-to-day and what they're passionate about and what means the most to them, and most importantly, how we engage with them and get them involved. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Chris Caro is a project engineer in the Baltimore office with six years of experience in the sewer project management field. He is currently a project manager for AECOM's DC Metro and DCS team. Chris's responsibilities include planning, designing, construction, and commissioning water and wastewater systems. Mr. Carr previously worked as a project manager at WSSC for four years. While at WSSC, he managed over 20 consent decree projects and was responsible for budget tracking, scheduling, and progress tracking for the overall consent decree program. Additionally, Chris has been the Chesapeake Section AWJ Young Professionals Committee Chair for the past three years. So, Chris, uh, YP in the house. Yeah, YP (laughs) in the house. Um, Yeah, how how, have you been? How's it going? Thanks for joining us today. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, you know, be on this platform with you guys and share a little bit about myself. I've been pretty good. Um, <laughs> the last couple of weeks have been uh, a lot different than what I'm used to. You know, it's not the usual commute to uh, work at home. Um, I got shipped out to Puerto Rico, so nice. Yeah, kind of adapt to my new environment and you know, the new culture here. But it's, uh, it's been pretty good. It's been a new, a new experience that I, I've enjoyed. Nice. Amazing. Well, we're glad you're there helping uh, them continue to recover. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Um, so you got up at UMC 2019 at the YP Summit, that's where we first met you, and you told this amazing story that made me 
literally jump up and run across the ballroom at the break to find you. So the first, yes, the first question that we ask all of our guests is if water chose them or if you chose water. And we feel like water definitely chose you. Do you agree though? And tell us your origin story from the point of when you were a child to going to college. I definitely agree that water chose me. Um, it wasn't something that I ever anticipated or even really knew enough about where I could say, you know, I'm going to choose it. Yeah. So it was definitely a thing where, you know, uh, the world works, worked its wonders and kind of came to me. So um, I'm originally born in the Dominican Republic. I came to the United States when I was just uh, before turned six. We came in April, my birthday's in June, so I was like just about six. Yeah. Um, so, you know, being from the Dominican Republic, you know, I'm familiar with water scarcity or just utility scarcity in general. Yeah, right. The electricity also is, you know, an ongoing battle with people there. Um, water, of course. Um, so, in Dominican Republic, water is truly a luxury. Um, being able to access and have water to your home isn't taken for granted. So that was always something that as a kid, um, I kind of had in my mind, but you know, as a kid, you're also kind of oblivious to the reason for certain things. Mm -hmm. So you're just like, it's how things are, you know, mm -hmm. not really thinking of um, solutions, or, like I said, uh, what, what causes those issues. Mm -hmm. um, so when I came here to America, I knew no English. Um, you know, I remember when I was told that we were moving to America and um, I was like, wow, I wonder how America would be. So, you know, like America's painted as the best place ever, you know, it's just glorious. So I'm like, man, they probably have like gold bricks for their roads. <laughs> like, seriously, I thought it was going to be like all the light posts are going to be gold, the roads are going to be gold. Like the old city or something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I get here and it's not exactly gold, but um, it's a lot different than what I was used to. Concrete. Um, yeah, concrete, you know, asphalt, all that fun stuff. Um, so I came and with me not knowing uh, English, I had to start school over. So I was in first grade there, or kindergarten, whatever, I had to start over. Um, and then I had to be in what they call ESOL, which is English, uh, English or speakers yeah. of other languages. Yeah. Um, so I did that until I like second grade. Um, then after that, I kind of like phased out of it a lot faster than I guess normal or whatever. Yeah. Um, Cause it's weird. I don't have any memories or well, a few memories where I didn't know English. Like most of my memories, you know, as a child, like oh, I knew English, but anyways, so Started school over. Um, I went to school in Montgomery County, which is like a suburb of Washington, D.C. Matriculated mm -hmm. um, all the way through, graduated in 2006. And then I uh, got a scholarship to Montgomery College. Um, so I went there for three years, um, went over to engineering, then I transferred to Morgan State University. And uh, that's where I met my mentor, Dr. Hunter, and uh, things kind of just from there. Okay, so I'll just go ahead and start asking then. I want to know more about why, how it didn't work for you and, you know, how this professor, you know, taught you or, or sent you down a different path. Yeah, so like 
being like first generation um, to go to college in my family, there wasn't a lot of, I guess, direction my parents would offer. Um, yeah. they didn't, you know, they didn't want to. It was just like they didn't have that experience themselves. Um, so it was kind of like the thing was, you're going to go to college, you know, you're going to finish, but you're going to figure out what you're going to do. You know, that was just kind of a broad um, directive that was given for my parents to all my siblings. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to college. Um, what am I going to do? So yeah. I just think I was Googling stuff like, you know, best college degrees or something like that. <laughs> like, computer programmers, you know, top paid are going to be in the highest demand. So I'm like, bingo. Heck yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Decision made. I mean, I've literally told every young person, like, just go do computer programming. I don't care if you like it or not. Just Google, <laughs> Google, what should I go to college for? Exactly. So I was like, boom, decision made. Like, just like you said. So I sign up uh, for computer programming and still remember, I go into class the first day and we're given like a simple assignment. Um, how do you make a peanut butter jelly sandwich? So I'm like, Come on, man! Get bread, peanut butter, jelly, put it together. You got a sandwich. Hey. <laughs> so I got a big fat F for that. <laughs> so um, that teacher was just trying to show us like how you have to logically think through the steps of what your programming, you know, what your program's intended to do. So you yeah. have to undo the lid yeah. of peanut butter, undo the lid, pull the bread out of the yeah. bag, all that, yeah. you know. So I was like, okay, you know. I've, you know, kind of switched my train of thought a little That's bit. That's funny. Mm -hmm. so I went through that semester, and like maybe a month in, I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. So the professor was kind of a hard ass, and he was like one of those guys where he was older, so he's like really straightforward. Yeah. Like, you know, I went to help for help one day, and he was like, yeah, maybe it's not for you. You know, try something. Yeah, like try something else. So I'm like, That's pretty rude. Um, so I, no, I love it. Good, yeah. <laughs> Send them our way. Send them our way. So I dropped the class my junior year, the beginning of my junior year. Things kind of like just clicked yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and then that's when I met Dr. Hunter and uh, when I transferred out. And uh, yes, yeah, so things just clicked. I mean, I don't know. It was just like a light bulb. Literally, right. went off my head. Like everything was like, oh, oh I get it. One day I was talking to Dr. Hunter after classes before he was like my mentor. And um, you know, he was showing me what he had done for his thesis program, mm -hmm. um, which was uh, like stormwater uh, reuse and those kind of things. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. You know, I didn't know you could do that. You know, he's like, yeah, there's a lot of things that you could do with you know, an environmental degree that a lot of people in the world. And you know, he asked me like straight, straight up, like, have you ever thought about you know that track? And I was like, well, not really. You know, because no one really ever talks about it. Yeah. People talk about transportation structures um those kind of you know or, or uh, electrical those kind of things right yeah talked about environmental so he showed like send me a clip of like some youtube video whatever so i watched it and i was like you know this sounds funner at least than transportation you know yeah. it's actually something that um can really help so that's when things started rolling for me so um, came back the next week and I was like, yeah, it's you know, really cool. You know, I liked it. So then he started um, kind of nudging me towards certain things mm -hmm. um, to get involved with. Like, I mean, you guys are from, from Texas, right? Yes. Okay. So here in Maryland, there's um, an organization called Blue Water. So basically, okay. they 
uh, do like street cleanups and uh, tree planting, those kind of things. A volunteer. So he was like, yeah, you know, um, there's a street cleanup. Uh, you should take part in it and kind of get a different appreciation for, you know, what environmental and engineering is really about. So yeah, I went through right. that, had a blast. Well, people were great, you know, really informative. Um, so, <laughs> I love that. so then, you know, the next thing was like towards the end of the semester, he's like, what are you doing this summer? And then I was like, uh, I got a part-time job. Um, I'll probably just pick up more hours, you know, uh, get some cash or whatever. He and was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so, Dr. so, you know, he asked me, you know, what are you doing this summer? And I was like, I just got a part-time job. I'll probably pick up some hours. Um, you know, I don't really have any plans. So he's like, well, have you ever thought of an internship? And I was like, well, not really. <laughs> so <you> know, <laughs> he was saying how, um, you know, kind of like making things come full circle. He's like, remember when we started talking or speaking how you didn't really know much about the environmental engineering industry. He's like, there's thousands of kids just like you who really don't know. And all these companies have positions for uh, environmental engineer internships. And they usually go unfilled because no one knows those possibilities. Mm -hmm. yeah. so it's like, just apply for um, you know all of the local utility companies, and you know see what comes of it. So you know, I was like, you know, I'm kind of listening to him at this point. Like, yeah. smart guy, you know, knows what he's talking yeah. about. So um, when I applied for like, uh, I was just he was definitely one of them. I got the internship question. Yeah. Like, uh, DC Water, um, all of the local counties. So um, I get called for. WSSC, I go in. I had never really done like a professional interview. Sure. So I was a little different. You know, the questions asked not the same as like working at Home Depot. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, I was a little bit nervous of like, wow, do I know enough or you know, they like me? So, like, sure. yeah. It worked out though. It worked out great. Um, got the internship that summer. Um, and then it was probably like, I would say one of the best things that happened to me uh, definitely was that internship. Just because of all of the people that I met, then um, it also kind of took some of the uh, anxiety off of, like you know, as a, as a kid who's going through like college, still like, well, am I really going to be good enough or smart enough to be yeah. a professional? You know, it's like, yeah, I'm learning all this stuff, but you know, it's a totally different world when you actually have to apply it. So yeah. you know, once I got in there and I saw like, oh, you know, this isn't that hard, you know, yeah, I'm doing all this stuff. Um, that definitely helped a lot. You know, like I said, the connections and relationships that I built from there have kind of like just carried me throughout the um, rest of my uh, career so far. I love it. This is like a nice one-on-one guide for all YPs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we need to make a playbook out of your, yeah. uh, and actually for the professors too, because I'm like a super fan of Dr. Hunter now. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you're here because uh, there are folks that were passionate about the environment and water saw something in you and mm -hmm. knew that we needed you in this industry. And instead of just like, meh, you know, he, he kept on like nudging you and didn't just like get you in and then like, okay, peace out, like kept on nudging you towards things that he knew were going to help you in the future. So I love that. And um, I think that's an incredibly important message that our industry needs to hear when it comes to how we're going to bring in this next generation of the workforce. You know, yeah. we can't just like sit around and wait for it to be happen. We have to be right. vigilant. We have to like build those relationships with universities so that professors like Dr. Hunter kind of lead folks like you in our direction. And 
I'm super excited to hear that you had so many different internship programs that you could have uh, applied for to kind of continue to cultivate that interest. So as someone that has kind of lived that path, like what advice do you have to attract the next generation to the water industry besides, of course, like find Dr. Hunter? <laughs> so, of course, I have like a little bit of bias, you know, for the water industry just because it's been so good. good. 100, yes. Give me so all the bias. <laughs> so many um, opportunities, but I would say for a young person who's kind of trying to find their way, I would say that you're not going to find a better group of people other than the water industry. Like, I've honestly, I've been to so many conferences or just more across someone. I've never met someone who was like, I don't dislike it, was like grumpy kind of person. Like, everyone's so helpful. Everyone's willing to, um, you know, sit down with you and talk and, you know, give you their at least perspective of things. And I think that's what really separates the water industry from. I'm not going to name them all, but all the other industries yeah. that really a community that strives to work together for you know, the environment, you know, which mm -hmm. is like, um, that's the only way that we'll ever resolve the issues that we're currently facing is working together. Mm -hmm. You know, um, people always say like, well, you know, one, if I don't do it and everyone else does it, then, you know, it's okay, but it's not the mentality that we need, we need a, a unity, you know, like we all need to do it, all need to take part. Um, so that's one thing I'll say, like, you're not going to find more helping community than the, the water industry. Um, and then secondly, it's fun, you know, like yeah. putting some waders on and taking a, a walk, you know, environmental walk in a, whatever marshy or stream. Um, and then you get the exposure to pretty much every facet of engineering while being in the water industry. You know, a person who does structures isn't going to have the same opportunities to work um, in an environmental site, you know, on a stream or a uh, protected wetland area or anything like that. They're just going to be focusing on building their building. Mm -hmm. Where uh, an, an, an environmental engineer, you could um, focus to working at treatment plants where there are going to be vertical structures or uh, some horizontal structures that, you know, if you really like structures as well, you know, you can do both. Um, right. You know, most of the pipes are in the ground. So if you yeah. also like transportation, you could do environmental and transportation. Right. Um, so that, that kind of flexibility is what I like the most, where I know that I'm not gonna spend the next 30, 35 years cooped up in an office. I'm gonna have the ability to step out, see yeah. different things, learn different things, and um, yeah, for me, everything just comes together in the environmental field. Uh, I think that by itself, you know, uh, gives it a little nudge over the others uh, for people who are undecided about which way they want to go. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm glad you're saying all this because these are things that we tell people all the time and about like the younger generation and YPs and, and, and bringing them in. So uh, thank you for validating all of this for us. So what, I guess I'm not YP enough, Chris. You're already in. Um, so you had someone like face to face kind of bring you in. So I guess like kind of what I'm hearing through what you're saying in terms of if you knew that the directors of, of you know, 
it's it's not yet every water utility listening. One day it will be, but <laughs> so if you knew that like every director of water utility out there was listening and we're talking about, okay, how do we bring in this next gen? I mean, it's either like build those relationships to make those face-to-face -face encounters with schools and professors happen, like what happened with you, but also it sounds like you're saying like, talk about like the things that we do outside of just you know, design work or yeah, we provide clean water and treat it for you. Yeah, but we're also like super multifaceted and flexible. We also have we're so mission driven, and you can do work that matters and meet and is meaningful. And oh, by the way, also super fun. You know, exactly. yeah. I mean, how many jobs do you get to have? You know, mud boots and a hard hat. <laughs> you know, and reflector vest, like everything, right. all in one locker. And a computer and a laptop, you know, yeah. like, and an office, you know, maybe even that. So, uh, but I think that that's something that coming from you too, like, is, is important for people to hear that, yes, all of those things that we do are important, but if we want to bring people in, like, we don't go to work because of the things that are listed in our job description, you know, we go to work because of the things that you just said. And so if we want to get more people to come to work, we need to be talking about those things more. Um, so, and I mean, just thinking about some of the job descriptions that you see online at Water Utilities, like no one in their right mind would, would sign up for that, you know, like, right. we feel like have like more creative ways to promote what we do. It shouldn't be only the private sector that gets to have cool names for their employees. Right. You should be like a water revolutionary or wizard or something. <laughs> I'm going to put in that request. All right. <laughs> Chief waiter wear. I'll talk to you. Yeah. I want to be the chief waiter wear. Waiter wear. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. This is how I put on my waiters and I walk around. Um, I love it. Okay, so, you know, that old career model we've seen a lot of people have, the good old days where you would find a job, you stay there for 30 years, you retire, then you die. <laughs> um, just kidding. Um, but that's just kind of not the way of the world anymore. It's more like you find a job, Eh, whatever and so that kind of makes employers feel threatened a lot of times that our our millennial or whatever generations there's a couple it's more than millennials but yeah. a couple generations are more apt to just kind of change jobs when they need to or feel like they're not being fulfilled and so they feel threatened a little bit so I have a twofold question mm -hmm. um, what is something that will keep people from jumping ship and then how does the diversity of having multiple work experiences make you a better leader? Yeah, so uh, to tackle the first part, I'll do it in part explain too. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so this is just my personal opinion on things. Um, I always say that it's not what you do that uh, defines if you like or don't like your job is who you do it for and with. Ooh. So, if you have a boss who's not very nice, put it that way, um, yeah, sure. you know, it's going to make, it doesn't matter what you do, you could pick flowers for a living, but it's going to make <laughs> picking flowers miserable because you know that you have to interact with and associate with this person who you despise or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. it makes things difficult for you when you can have a very stress-free easy flower picking job yeah so that's definitely number one um try to just be a nice person i mean i don't know how any other right. way like it's not that difficult i know we all have our, 
different personalities, but uh, the underlining thing should be niceness um, yeah. out of all those things. And then secondly is, you know, people want to feel like they're working in a place where they're wanted, yeah. uh, they're being developed, and yeah. that development is going to eventually lead them to the next level. Um, so, you know, people don't want to feel like they're just working for a machine. You know, yeah. if you come to work, you know, we all want to get a promotion, get a raise, or whatever the case may be. And if you feel like you're plateaued or you don't see like anyone taking interest in you, um, becoming a better whatever you are engineer, um, you're probably gonna want to leave because you're feeling like you know I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. You know I want to be in charge one day. I want to take that next step eventually. You know not saying that it has to be given to me, but at least have the opportunity. Um, so those two things I think would definitely make anyone want to stay if they feel like they're working for someone who is you know nice and you know it's just so generally. I don't know how to put it. Just a good person. Yeah, someone kindness. Enjoyed, you know, someone who's enjoyable to work with. Um, yeah. Not Mr. Burns. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the <Excellent>. opposite. <laughs> yeah, whatever the opposite of Mr. Burns is. That maybe Ned Flanders. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yodely, totally. <laughs> I don't maybe, know. Maybe not that extreme, but you know, <laughs> somewhere in between there. And then, like I said, um, if I I see that my my manager sending me to workshops to improve and um, give me experience that you know I'm not getting every day sending me to conferences to network and then you know telling me you know hey you know, this position might be opening up you know if you get this qualification or this credential you know, you'll be a good candidate for it things like that yeah uh, for the second part um, to me I think that um, it's like a saying like everything was once done before right so that's what experience is, having done something before. And I think that uh, that's really the key to being a, being a good leader is being the person that, oh, you've been here, you know, the longest, maybe not the longest, but you've been here long enough. You know, you should have faced this challenge before. How did you tackle the challenge? You know, what unforeseen things came up while you were tackling the challenge? And eventually, how did you resolve, you know, the issues? So okay. um, I think that definitely is what is going to separate um, a good, I think it's a manager, right? Yeah, or a leader. Leader, manager. A, a good leader, manager from, um, you know, everyone else because the leader is the person that people are looking to for direction. And if you've never done it before, it's kind of hard to direct. You know, you can go, go up instinct, maybe, or just an assumption, but people feel a lot more confident when you've done it before, you've been there before. So it might not be easy, but at least, you know, you've had some experience and some knowledge of what may or may not work. Yeah, so. you sort of shorten that learning curve depending on the situation because if you've been exactly. through it, you know, you're not starting from square one. But uh, I really loved how you said you didn't want to feel like you were working in a machine because mm -hmm. I, yeah, I kind of talk about, yeah, for a machine. Yeah, I kind of like talk that talk about that idea too. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what I hear is you saying is that leadership matters. <laughs> You know, with like, and it's not something that's innate in everyone, but I think that with um, the right amount of like training and experience, like that anyone can. And so, um, you know, and I think that there's like, I think kindness is really important, but I also think that the younger generations get a lot of, get a lot of slack for being 
gosh, they like want me to talk to them and stuff. <laughs> like they want me to like tell them when they've done a good job. And I'm just like, I mean, that's yes. good for everyone, you know, <laughs> like all of us kind of want to know like what our goals are, how we're doing, could yeah. we be doing something better? It's just, um, I think that that's important to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the younger generations who are just bold enough to ask for it mm -hmm. uh, should get the, the slack that they get for that. So, but yes, leading with kindness, absolutely important. So yeah. love that. I was going to say, just to add on to that a little bit, it's like some of the older generations, like we're going to speak during your uh, review period. You know, when you sit down and give you a review, that's when I let you know how you're doing. But then by that point, it might be too late. You know, yeah. you know, every month, let's say, and you kind of say, okay, you're doing this well, but you need to pick up on this. Then I, I can adjust, and then hopefully by the review, it'll be all, you know, whatever fives or whatever the top rate. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's adjust. Oh, during yeah. yeah absolutely i like how you took that question um you know and, and made it like you know in my mind experience like for instance if i had four or five different jobs you know in or outside the water industry you know that could make me a better leader um in different ways for having different perspectives on things but i like how you kept it within the industry and even within like you know if your job function, maybe you had a couple different job functions, um, and maybe you're the leader who doesn't have any experience, but you're calling on people who do have that multi, um, you know, the multi-year career who's got several different experiences under their belt. So if you are that leader, that manager who maybe is just new to the game, don't be afraid or feel like you can't call on people who've experienced all these different things and bring them in and ask them like, how did you handle this? How yeah. are we going to get through this together? You know, you don't have to pretend that you know everything. Yeah. So I love that. that. That's 100%. I would say like, I consider myself a pretty smart person, but I think the best attribute of being smart is knowing when you don't know something. Yes. Okay. To ask for help. Yes. You know that person who is, has too much pride or too stubborn. Mm -hmm. to, you know, say, oh, let's ask John, you know, they're going to, it's uh, my way or the highway, or what is it, my way yeah. or the highway? Whatever yeah, my way or the highway. Yeah. <laughs> my way or the highway, and, you know, they fall flat on their face because they yeah. haven't done it before, and, you know, you're, you have all these available resources that could help you, it's true not to, because of your pride. Yeah. It's a sad, sad case. Yeah, I would agree with that, except I would say that when you um, have the ability to be bold enough to admit when you don't know that that takes you from being smart to wise <laughs> like there's like some wisdom in that and being able to to move to like like you said give up that pride and just say ask you know so we have a mentor also um his name is greg Wu cash and he's with the san antonio water system shout out yeah i know he's listening um so he's taught us um about not just like when they ask what's your strengths, what's your weaknesses, but what strengthens you and what weakens you. And this can often mean like the difference between someone staying at their job or moving on. So you had a funny story about Excel. <laughs> that was a great example of how a strength can become something that weakens you. Can you share that with us? The project manager and associate project manager uh, at WSSC, I can't really remember, but we were all given a task of uh, finding out information about uh, assets, well, we, what we call sewers and manholes, we call them assets. So we're given a long list, like maybe 300 or 400 
assets. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we all had to find out, I don't know, your construction, or material type, length, or height, you know, whatever attributes to them. So I'm given the list or the task. I'm like, oh, it's pretty easy. You know, do this in a couple minutes. So I go in, you know, I do my little quarry and extract the information, and I'm done. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know, 20 minutes or whatever. Stephanie and Ariane are still opening Excel. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I go over to, um, he's an older gentleman, you know, of course, he started before the computer age and all that. So he's like, um, has white, plain white piece of paper out and um, a ruler. And he's, you know, creating uh, the, the rows and columns. Oh, so my style. Oh, he was drawing his own grid. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so he's drawing his own grid. And, um, you know, so I walk by, I see him doing that. I'm like, okay, so I don't know what he's doing. None of my business, you know. So I go, so, <laughs> um, I think I was going to from the printer. I think I had to print it on my table, as a matter of fact. So I went to get it. I go back to my desk and work on something else. And then he calls me over and he's like, you know, I can't find uh, so and so uh, information. So I was always the like IT resident IT person. <laughs> oh, I come over, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I come over and um, he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for the construction gear, whatever it was." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's really just you know here, here, here. There you go." And he's like, "Oh, okay, thanks a lot." And then he writes it down on the uh, piece of paper. I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, I have um, created a row for all of the, all of my assets, and I'm gonna." write it down here. So I was like, so then how are you going to get that over to the manager? He's like, oh, I'm going to um, then type it into Excel and e email her the uh, spreadsheet. So I was like, you know, I kind of put my hand on my face like, hold on, let's take a minute, take a step back, you know. And then he's like, did you finish this already? I was like, yeah, I've been finished for a while. So I was like, listen, you know how to copy and paste? He's like, yeah, I know how to do that. I was like, okay, look, all you got to do is copy the information, you can paste into Excel. He's like, you can paste into Excel? I was like, yes, Aww. you can paste into Excel. So he's like, oh my God, I didn't know that. I was like, well, it's okay. You know, I don't expect everyone to know everything. Yeah. So, you know, so he's like, wow, this is so much easier. It's going to save so much you know, more time. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's kind of why they you know, developed uh, the, the software. So, um, you know, but that's just a, a thing of like, so I, I knew how to do that data extraction better than him, you know, but like if we were in the field, like he would run circles around me as far as right. you know, yeah. like reviews or, um, you know, like uh, materials or a big thing for us was <clears throat> determining the defects of the assets. So I, you know, he could call out, you know, if it was a crack or if it was a broken pipe or whatever. And two seconds where I'm there trying to like measure out, you know, the length of the crack and <laughs> go to the yeah. chart and you know, all that. So it's just, you know, we need to, like I said before, work together and build on all of our strengths so that, you know, like you said in the question, my weakness, you know, is now covered by his strength and his yeah. weakness covered by my strength, you know. Um, so yeah, that's my funny story. So <laughs> So, but didn't you kind of become like the go-to Excel guy? Oh, yeah. So yeah. That was the issue. That, so that was the issue after yeah. that. Um, like anytime. So I showed him how to do it. And then he's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I got it. I was like, okay, great. Then like the next week he was like, hey, Chris, listen, you just, you know, you're real fast at it. You know, you can do it in 
know, 20 minutes. You just take care of this for me. So me being the nice guy that I am, and I respect my elders, and I don't tell them no unless it's something that's unethical. You know, I was like, sure, I'll do it for you. So then it was a group of uh, seven or eight. Um, I was the youngest, like way younger than everyone. So everyone was like, then he was like, oh, Chris can do it really fast. Just have him do it. So then I was getting like seven or eight people, you know, hey, Chris, do this Excel sheet for me. Do that Excel sheet for me. And then the manager caught wind of it eventually and I like, sent out a memo to everyone, you know, you are not to have Chris do any more stuff for you guys. You know, he has his own work to do and, you know, he, you know, he's not here to be your assistant. So please, you can ask him for help, but you are to take on your own, you know, Excel uh, assignments or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, kudos to the manager who did that because mm -hmm. um, sometimes that could be years down the road yeah. and you have <laughs> been doing seven or eight people's spreadsheets for that many years and realize you may be good at something, but you absolutely hate when someone comes <laughs> up to you and says, can you do my spreadsheet for me? <laughs> Yes, that's, so true. that's a perfect example of something you might be good at, but it weakens you. Uh, so thank you for that. So I think instead of Excel weakening you, it was probably like being, like you said, being a uh, respecting your elders and being a kind person is something that you're clearly doing good at, but you're weakened <laughs> by. <laughs> it's always been like definitely my personality is like super overly nice and then it's like sometimes i get myself like oh yeah you know i'll be helping someone and then it's like i care more about the situation than they do <laughs> it's not my, even you know, it's not even my <laughs> my issue to really be concerned about but it's just like once i start getting involved you know, i'm fully um Again. Yep. Yeah, fully committed. So yeah, that was the last ten years of my municipal um, government career. <laughs> <laughs> but and I learned, why are we doing a community garden for this church over here? Well, here's how it got connected. <laughs> yeah. So this is how it this is what happened. Um, but I love how you like um, how you talked about you know your strengths and weaknesses being compatible with with yeah. one another and kind of lifting each other up and you know like. Uh, that you taught someone something, and it, what is it Seth Godin's quote was? It just sits up next to someone for like an hour or something, and you have like no idea what you could learn. What you can learn, yeah. Just by watching how they do things differently than what you do, so love that. So we're involved in a number of different associations and committees, uh, I, as I think you are too, and uh, wow, in these, associations and committees we spend a lot of time brainstorming how we can get millennials and the younger generations more engaged uh you know and i think it begins with us within these committees and associations kind of breaking outside of what we believe is the best way to communicate with you uh you know we we all feel like we have to be on every single social media channel that's ever existed to catch your attention, but I am beginning more and more to believe that that is not the case at all. So, Chris, where are you guys at, man? How do we get you to show up? <laughs> and I'm not just saying, like, where are you? Like, all like not literally you. Like, I right. need to speak for the YP. Yes. No. <laughs> Chris, you're, you speak for the, like, not speak for the trees, but speak for the YPs. Yes. Yes. So, I think, so myself, you know, YPs, we're about around the same age. You know, 
our first uh, social media was like, or like uh, MySpace or something like that. Okay. Which turned into something, you know, really fun. If you had your little top five friends or whatever, you could have. Oh, I miss that. <laughs> you could have your little spout with your friend. Oh, I'm not your top five, and you know, Christy is, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, you know, so that turned from that, and then it slowly morphed into like promoting Mason's gift cards or something. <laughs> I don't know. But like, I remember towards the end, it was just like, I don't know if people were getting spammed or hacked or whatever, but everyone was like, oh, buy these shoes 80% off. You know, click this link and get a $100 Mason's gift card. So I was like, okay, this is definitely not what I signed up for. So, you know, kind of walked away from it. And yeah. then, you know, along came Facebook uh, a couple years later, and then that was a big wave. And I feel like that's also slowly starting to become just like an advertising platform, you know, where people either advertising their own business or now companies are, you know, posting stuff on your wall and, you know, whatever. Also, don't forget the grandparents. <laughs> right. Yes. Listen, that's my wife probably at least once a week threatens to delete my mother from Facebook. <laughs> oh, God. Is she going to listen to this? Uh, she will eventually, but it's all <laughs> because my my mother is like so. Mm -hmm. I can call my mom, and she won't pick up. But if I make a Facebook post, she'll comment <laughs> in under a minute. Oh, so, I love it. You know, so my wife is like she always comments, and my mom's like the long paragraph comment lever. So <laughs> you can't so answer like, the phone because what if someone posts something while she's on the I phone? Am. I mean, it makes sense. It's yeah. I mean, Facebook equals grandmas. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, so my wife's like she keeps leaving these paragraphs under my pictures and statuses. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm gonna delete your mom. I don't like listen, man. Y'all guys, do your own thing. I don't want to get in between that. Oh, so, uh, I think yeah. So why, Pete? I think we're a little bit. Um, over yeah, it yeah kind of over all that stuff no. so i will say that for most of the yp that um you know i'm close with and all that we just have you know text guys don't really call whatsapp um, yeah whatsapp we'll text all the time catch up with each other and then um i feel linkedin at this point in time is probably the number one even though they're slowly also starting to get swamped with all this extracurricular stuff but um a lot of people that I meet at the conferences, you know, you'll connect with them on LinkedIn and then, you know, they get a good job. You can say, congrats. You know, I remember you telling me how much you hated your old job. So congrats to all the new ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and then also I will say that uh, after our last conversation, I joined Twitter. I know, I saw. Which I love. Um, I'm still not, yeah, I'm still not like posting a lot, but. It's okay. You know, I just, I like that it's not um, overly saturated with, you know, extracurriculars. You can follow what you want to follow, mm -hmm. consume pretty much the material that you want to consume. So you guys gave me a great list of people that I'm following. You know, I love seeing that. Um, and then I've filled it in pretty much with uh, sports and news, which is like <laughs> all, there you all, go. all I really do. So I have sports news and then the water industry. Perfect. Yeah, um, no, I so, love that. So to answer your question, I would say I guess LinkedIn is probably if I would if someone says give me a list of twenty people in the water industry, um, that's where I would where I would get them from that I know personally or you know that I've connected with. Yeah. Um, over time, 
And then um, I guess if, to get us to come out, I mean, I always feel like uh, networking opportunities are always a big hit. Uh, people are always you know, willing to do that if they have free time, of course. And then social events, you know, even though we're nerds to the core, but, you know, we like to have a good time as well, you know. Get yeah, together, we do. Have a couple of drinks. And listen nerds to like to have the most fun. Party nerds. And talk about fun stuff. Work efficiently so that mm. I can use my time for what I really want. So, like yeah. my earlier story, I'm not going to spend eight days doing a hand-drawn Excel <laughs> table when I can do a quarry in 20 minutes. That way I can, I don't know. Move on to the next thing. Move on to the next thing. Read a book or yeah. something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I got to say that <laughs> I, I, used, I used to hate Twitter. And then when we started our Rogue Water and our Water in Real Life handles, and obviously the only people that we follow are all water people. And so then, like, that's all our feed is. It's water just like all day. water all day. And so exactly to your point mm -hmm. is that I didn't have to see, like I hated Twitter because there was like so much negative things going on and people being crazy and stupid and saying terrible things. And like, but not in the water nerd family. No, we're all <laughs> generally positive and it's like, it's, it's awesome. I love so it. We'll so we'll give glad the audience too. Yeah, we'll give the audience the same advice I think we gave you, Chris. Mm -hmm. Just go to Rogue Water or Water in Real Life at the H2 at the underscore H2 duo and follow all of our followers and you'll have an awesome, awesome lineup yeah. of water nerds no. in yeah. your feed. For sure. I, I, I agree. I, I concur with that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have an amazing listen. Proof is in the pudding. Love it. <laughs> all right, Arian, you want to kick off this lightning okay, round? Okay, let's do a quick lightning round. Woo! Let's get to it. Chris, what is your favorite book right now that you can recommend to us? I loved Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah. So Are you was, reading them? I'm now reading. Nice. Yeah. So, I've never nice. yeah. I haven't seen the, the show and but I've what? read the book. Well, I've seen like a couple, like maybe two or three seasons. I've read every book though. Okay, so what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Yeah, so for me personally, I am uh, like to be like a simple, minimal kind of person. So uh, for me, the key is organization and um, setting reminders. So even though I'm a YP, I have seen my memory start to slip a little bit. <laughs> so definitely um, I have like a little app where I can store notes. Um, I've created some spreadsheets for uh, passwords and those kind of things. Oh yeah. Um, because to me, those two things, uh, without that, I could not be productive. If I didn't stay right. organized, and you know, um, like for example, the interview for today. You know, I was like, what day was that? You know, I knew it was this week, but uh, <laughs> to my calendar, there it was. You know. Yeah. So um, yeah, those those two things drive my productivity, and I. So last question, and you you kind of touched on this just a little. You use similar language. Um, I think when you were talking about uh, the doing meaningful work, but like in our line of work, we were talking about behavior change. You know, we would have people say, "Well, what difference is it if I make a change? Like I'm just one person. Like that's not going to make a difference." And so you know. We obviously wholeheartedly disagree with that because we believe that one person making a change uh, can be contagious. You don't know what you'll inspire in others. So what is the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe might ultimately change the world? Um, so like 
you were just saying, spreading the message. So my thing is trying to come into contact with as many young, you know, just out of college or in college people that I can, kind of like Dr. Hunter, can you kind of nudge them towards mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, greener pastures, as they say, yeah. um, our, our industry. So um, I probably go to I don't know, four or five career fairs during the year, you know, representing ACOM, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, using that platform to uh, just spread that uh, the word that there's other things out there, you know, than your local state highway or, you know, your local or whatever. Um, and like you said, hope, hoping that that starts a chain reaction where now that person tells another person, tells mm-hmm. another person and then hopefully we're all environmental leaders. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope that, uh, well, you don't have to be an engineer, Chris. Come on. You can be like a, a communicator. But, you know, yeah, but you know, we're, we're all. <laughs> we're the engineers of words. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Engineers. engineers. It's just an adjective describing what someone does. So, you know, you can engineer anything. Like you said, yeah. engineer with words. <laughs> can I put those letters behind my name then? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, ethically, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Darn. Damn it. But I'm going to start introducing myself at parties as an engineer. <laughs> engineer? Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Um, we, we need more and more of your perspective uh, out there in the world. And so I hope that you inspire others to, to do exactly what you're doing and kind of amplify all of the great things about this industry so that we can bring more people in. And I encourage you to continue to tell your story because it's great. And um, you have like a super positive energy that I think brings people in and um, your kindness radiates. So I thank you for spending some time with us today all the yes. way from Puerto Rico. Yes. Um, congrats on the baby coming soon and we hope that you get home soon uh back to your family so thank you thank you appreciate it thank you great time we hope you enjoyed today's episode never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the water nerd newsletter found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter you can also find us on twitter and instagram at the underscore h2duo we share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter so whether we come across your feed or in your inbox be sure to share episodes with your friends family colleagues fellow water nerds help us spread the word we hope you learned something new today got a little inspired or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal until next time remember what one of our favorite quotes says Those who tell the stories rule the world.